welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I want to read a passage of scripture to you now. It's a real simple passage. What I do, look, um, what I like to do, if you know me, is to take what would be, seem to be huge overarching themes in the Bible, looking at the big picture, and reduce those things to their simplest form. I'm a believer that all of us as Christians need to be astute concerning Bible truth and not just be uh, Christians in name only or just say, I'm forgiven, I'm on my way to heaven. But we need to know what we believe and why we believe. But many times people are scared off from pursuing the Bible and really getting a firmer grip of their faith because they deem it to be something irrelevant, you know, like, uh, you know, just a theological studies are basically not applicable to my practical life. And so I like to take large, complex themes and reduce them to their simplest form. And, you know, there's a few words used in the Bible over and over again Uh, And the word that's used more than any other word in the Bible is the word faith. And I want to read a little passage to you. This is in Luke chapter 18, verses 7 and 8, where Jesus himself is speaking, and here's what he said. And shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes... Will he really find faith on the earth? Now ponder that statement with me. Listen, this is Jesus speaking. He said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Now I begin to ponder this theme, you know, and it really did plague me for this reason. And that is that faith is an overarching theme in the Bible. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that without faith it's impossible to please God. The Bible says that anything that's not of faith is sin. So faith is a huge, huge issue. But the problem is, for many Christians, they believe they're people of faith, but they have this broad, ethereal, vague idea of what faith is all about. And so they really, when when anything is so overused that we use it in our everyday language, it develops connotations that are much broader than what really the the biblical concept is, that concept loses its power in our life. Faith is an incredibly powerful thing. But to many people, faith is just, you know, even in our world today, Christians and non-Christians, when they say faith, it's like they'll ask people, say, what faith are you? And they mean, are you Christian faith? Are you Muslim faith? Are you Buddhist, Hindu? What, what, are, what faith are you? If, if you're a, a, a Protestant, you can be Catholic faith, you can be Protestant, that can mean one of many different denominations. And to many people, that's what faith is. It's a benign, powerless faith. And that's not faith at all. Then on the other side, there is this concept of faith within Christian circles, some Christian circles, which is a completely opposite uh, idea of faith. And that is, it's like faith is a substance, you know, that you take faith and you move mountains. Faith is something you do. You pray and you believe God. You pray, you speak your faith, you read your Bible, claim some promises, and God then changes things with our faith. 
And although that true, that is an accurate, accurate truth, but that's not the whole of faith. Faith is much broader than just using it just to do things with it or to change things with it. And my, con- my, my thesis is this in this message tonight. And first of all, when Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? First of all, you get out of that statement or that question this, when Jesus comes. The fact that it says when he comes means that Jesus does come. He comes to us. Now, folks, listen, when it says when he comes, know this. It's not talking about when he comes in the second coming at the last day. It's not talking about that. The proof of that is the story that's given that Jesus uses this statement to sum up. Here's the story. There was a woman who had been done an injustice and now that she needed a court decision made in her favor. So she comes to an, a, ju- a judge and he's an unjust judge. And this judge would not, make, would not make a decision in her favor. He was a mean judge. He was unjust, unfair. But this woman kept pursuing this judge and she would not let him go. And so he made a decision in her favor, not because he liked her, but because he wanted to get rid of her. Now watch this, out of that many people get the idea, and rightly so, that the message is about persevering, perseverance and persistence. And that is true, but what I see is a much larger concept than this. Now listen, and that is Jesus said, Jesus, when he sums up this story, he doesn't say when the Son of Man comes, will he find perseverance or will he find persistence? It says, will he find faith? What is he talking about? Listen, I'll tell you the kind of faith this woman had. This woman had a kind of faith that wasn't just something she did where she pulls out her faith like a substance and throws it against a mountain when something's coming against her and she wants something to change in her life. Many people view faith as something that they use whenever they need something. They need to call on God. They pray and so I've got to use faith. If I need a miracle, I use faith. If I need a prayer answer, I use faith. Faith, and so therefore people who live with that concept of faith, they are destined to live their faith, you ready for this? In fits and spurts, in little segments. I'm living in faith, now I don't need anything, so today I'm really not using my faith, because faith is something I use. Are y'all with me now? Listen, look, there is such a thing as mountain moving faith. Faith does move mountains. But look, my challenge to you tonight is the faith that Jesus is looking for when he comes to your house, to your life every day, is an atmosphere of faith. The faith that this woman has was not a faith she pulled out of her pocket because she needed a miracle. This woman's faith literally consumed her life. She began to imbibe her faith in her spirit. Her faith became what she said, the way she saw life, the way she thought about things, the way she loved, the way she lived. Y'all out there today. In other words, faith was the way she lived her life. Isn't that what the Bible says in Romans 1, 17? The just or the righteous shall live by their faith. Faith is a lifestyle. Now, what does that mean? Well, if, you're, if faith is a lifestyle, it means when Jesus comes to your house, he's looking for the way you speak. Is your mouth filled with faith? Is your, are your thoughts filled with faith? Is your home filled with faith? Which means this. 
Is it filled with things that agree with God and his plan for your life and what he says about you? Or is it filled with what the world says about you with their cynicism, their negativity, their fears, their doubt, their unbelief, and their discouragement? The world around us is somewhat jaded and cynical. But if you're a real believer and you live the kind of faith that Jesus has called you to live, it's a faith that always believes that the next day ahead of us is the best day that we've ever lived. That God has something planned for us that's greater than what we've had in the past. Faith always believes like this, that no matter how many times people betrayed me and hurt me, I'll still believe that people are good, that life is good, that God is good. Y'all out there today. Wow. Listen, I get excited about this. I posted on Facebook a few weeks ago this simple little statement. It's just, it's the way I am every day. This isn't just the way I preach. I was preaching there at Edge Church this morning, and Danny said this, and rightly so. This is the way Pastor Rick lives. I'm crazy like this all the time. I posted on Facebook a few weeks ago, and I said, simply, life is good. People are beautiful, and God is great. Wow, I believe that. And this woman, a few minutes later, posted me back. I mean, She's supposed to be one of my friends. I mean, she's on Facebook, right? But she posted me back and she said, she didn't know me or who I was, posted me back and she said, I wish it was just that simple. And I immediately knew here was a woman who thought that I was some guy who, was, who had some naive Pollyanna concept of life. A guy who'd never been through anything, who'd never been betrayed in his life, who'd never faced a tough day, a tough battle, a crisis in his life. And so she thought, here's a guy who hasn't been through it like I have, and he doesn't know that people hurt you, that life ain't fair, that God doesn't show up on time sometimes. She didn't know that this post wasn't by some naive, young, innocent guy who had never been through anything, but this is a post from a guy who's been to the depths and back and seen God meet him in his darkest hour. And I've watched God show up. Wow. I say, I say, my concept of life is not a naive view of life. It's a tested view of life. Y'all still out there. Come on, punch somebody next to you. Say, come on, wake up and get it full of faith. Hallelujah. Now, listen to this. So here's the thing. Are y'all with me now? All right, so here's the thing. What is that environment of faith? Now just think with me just a moment. Because what I'm going to tell you over the next few minutes, literally I'm just telling you, after all all my years passing, I've watched this happen. The people who get what I'm going to say in the next few minutes are the people who will last through the tough times. The people whose faith will be made of such steel that nothing can shake them and that is this what is that atmosphere of faith if our life is to be lived in this environment of faith what is that environment and i say it like this and you're gonna have to think with me it's real simple that that environment is just called trust now it's a simple word and trust is one of those words we use a lot in and it's a common concept but what does that mean listen 
trust. I want you to look with me at the book of Hebrews and look at this passage of scripture. And I love this. And I'm going to read out the Amplified Bible, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22. It says this, let us all come forward and draw near with true, honest and sincere hearts in unqualified assurance and absolute conviction. Listen to those words. I love those powerful words. Unqualified assurance, absolute conviction engendered by, in other words, this unqualified assurance, this, this concreteness about God and our beliefs in God, our absolute conviction is engendered by faith. And as the Amplified Bible does, sometimes it gives us an expansion or an amplification of a word. In this case, it's faith. It says by faith, and here's my favorite definition of faith in the Bible. Faith, by that leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, his wisdom and goodness. Let me read it again. Faith is that leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness. It works like this. Here's what trust is. Faith, you take maybe like and say you use it against a mountain, you know, that mountain moving faith. But here's what trust, here's the way trust is. Trust is like if God and all that he has for me in my life is this stool, okay? If you can imagine it, this, this represents God and all he has for me in my life. And so let's say when I come to God and I say, God, I give you my life. I trust you with my life, my wife, my kids, my future, my career, my wealth, everything I've got, everything, my happiness. God, I believe that you're the one that knows I don't. God, I trust you. I'm, trust, I'm living my life by faith. And what that means is to sit back into the arms of God. It's what I call take both feet off the ground. Both feet off the ground and so that you're relaxing, leaning of the entire human personality on God. That's what it says here. That that faith, that is trust, is leaning of the entire human personality on God. Now you notice what just changed. Look, if I'm like this all day, I get tired. But let me tell you something. I don't get tired when I'm like this. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's because I'm not bearing the weight of my own life. Now this stool is, or in this case, God and his word and his plan for my life. This is the way life is to be lived, with both feet off the ground. The problem with that is it's scary to live with both feet off the ground because now you've got to trust this instead of your own strength. Y'all out there today. And so what I say is this, is many people live like this. They say, oh God, I love you and I believe you and I trust you with my life. Oh Lord God, you ready? Watch this, watch this. God, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. I'm, I'm gonna lean totally on you and I give you my life, my future. God, I'm gonna believe you for everything. And we have what I call one bun faith. That's a deep theological term. Look it up in the Hebrew. One bun faith. It's like we got one bun on God and one bun still on our own leg. And the reason we do that is because we want to trust God and we'll pray. Oh, yeah, God, I trust you. But just in case God doesn't come through, just in case all hell breaks loose and the rugs pulled out from under me, I won't crash and burn because I've still got a way out. Are you with me now? And so the problem with that is simply this, folks. Are you ready for this? Life isn't meant to be lived this way. You with me now? We're straddling the fence. And how many of you know the old proverb? He who straddles the fence gets hurt. (laughs) Don't think about that too hard, okay? (laughs) Look, you know, the way I say, the way I say, what I say is this. And that's the people who live like this. they, they, They never get fully where their life is cast fully upon God. So they're never really casting the full weight upon him. And so you know what happens is? 
They never enjoy the beauty. They never know what it's like to see God to come through for them miraculously in a midnight hour when no help, when when there's no help on the way, when nothing else can work because they never get both feet off the ground. And God has a way of not showing up for those who still leave the weight upon one foot. Uh, In other words, upon their own strength. God has a way for, uh, God has a way of coming through for us when he has to come through for us. He wants us to get both feet off the ground. And the problem with that is simply this. Two things happen when you get both feet off the ground. When you cast the full weight of your personality, your life, your future. What this means in a practical way is this, and that is that casting your future on God means this. God, I'm not going to demand to do whatever I want to do with my life in the future. God, I'm going to let you and your work in my life define what my future looks like. God, I am not going to just say, I come to church, I worship you, and God, I'm just going to give a little bit and do serve a little bit, but I still demand to, 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 to decide what happens with my wealth. God, I'm, cast, I'm getting both feet off the ground, and I'm going to say, God, here's my wealth. What do you want with my wealth? That's a dangerous place to live, isn't it? What it means to live with both feet off the ground is to say, God, I know that I like this person or I love this person. I want to marry this person or whatever. But God, I want to be in a relationship with this person. But God, what do you think about that? God, I'm not going to demand who, who I do life with. God, I'm going to see what you have to say about it. And that's a scary place to live. You with me now? But the thing also is this. It's scary to the flesh, but it releases the grace of God in your spirit. And there's an adrenaline, a spiritual adrenaline that releases in you when you live like that. Have you all know what I'm talking about? Look, I know what I'm talking about. Listen to this, that, that most Christians I know live in this way, this, the, riding the fence, you know, with one foot on the ground and one foot in the lap of God. And so what happens is they get just enough of God where they can't enjoy the world anymore, and they get just enough of the world where they can't enjoy God. You, you get that. You got to either go with one or the other, dear folks. Think about it. When you're out in the world, you partied hardy. You with me now? I mean, you know, you gave it all you got. Let me tell you something. When you give your life to Christ, this life is to be meant, meant to be lived with both feet off the ground. It terrifies the flesh. But you, know I mean? you got to learn this. You're never going to go anywhere in fulfilling your purpose that God has for you in your life until you can trust him to the point where you say no to your flesh, no to your carnal head, no to your reasoning and your intellect, and you say, yes, God, by what I feel in my heart, I'm going to surrender everything in my life to you. Are you out there? And you've got to do it afraid. You know, God painted this picture real clear to me. And one day, clear to me, whenever I I used to take my boys to the lake whenever they were kids, teenagers, and had a boat. And I'll never forget one day we were out in the boat. And I had a bunch of, I had my boys. I got four boys, as I said. And they had a bunch of their high school friends with them. And I was the big dad hero that day. You know, I was taking them skiing and swimming. We were having a blast. And all of a sudden, listen to this. All of a sudden, one of my boys saw a big mountain. I mean, it was huge. This baby was tall, and it was a big cliff that was overlooking the water. And one of my boys said, said, Dad, said, can we stop and go up that mountain and jump off of that cliff into the water? Thank you. All right. Can we jump off of that cliff into the water? I mean, the thing was huge. Well, you know, I'm a dad. I said, sure. <laughs> Knock yourself out. Kill yourself, baby. Listen, and so I pulled over the boat and, and I anchored the boat. And when I did, they started jumping out of the boat into the water. And when they jumped into the water, they all got in the water and they hollered back and said, Dad. I said, what? They said, we want you to come with us. 
I said, no, somebody's got to stay with the boat, you know? And they kept telling me, oh, dad, come dad. No, I can't go. Dad, no, I can't go. And finally they challenged my manhood. You know, what can I do? You know? And so I jumped out of the boat and I followed them. I swam over to the shore and we got ashore and I followed them up the mountain. We finally got to the top of the mountain. I'm standing back like this and they're up at the cliff. And those kids, you know, they didn't know nothing. You know, they just went to the cliff, got to the edge of the cliff, jumped as hard as they could. Whoa, as hard as they could. Man, went down to the water. They were screaming all the way. And the next one went and the next one went and the next one went. And finally the last one went and I'm standing back here by myself. And all of a sudden I hear from down below, Dad. Where are you, Dad? I said, I'm coming, I'm coming. I got here to the edge, and, and I'll never forget. Listen to this, folks. There's a powerful lesson to this. I got to the edge, and I looked over the edge, and the moment I looked down to that water, I should have never done it. I looked over the edge, and all of a sudden, it's all I could say is that, is that it's like my, my knees begin to have fellowship with one another. That, <laughs> All the energy drained out of my legs, they became like rubber, and I'm standing there, and now I'm standing there longer, and, and I, mean, I was afraid, and the longer I stood there, something interesting happened. This fear was creeping up my body. It was now coming up here, and it got into my shoulders, and now into my arms, and it was all the way down, and it was literally, my, it was taking me over. And my boy said, Dad, come on, what's wrong? I said, I'm, I'm just enjoying the scenery up here before I come down. Come on, Dad. I said, I'm coming. And I'm standing there listening. I mean, I'm serious. I was almost, almost paralyzed in fear. And all of a sudden, it just hit me. It dawned on me. Rick, this thing isn't getting better. Listen, as long as you stand here at the precipice of this, mount, of this jump and you don't do anything and you're standing here, he says, this fear is growing. It's not decreasing. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And if you don't jump soon, they're going to have to carry you down from this mountain. And boy, when I had that thought, I couldn't live with that. I closed my eyes, stepped up there, and I took a big blind leap, jumped as hard as I could, way out there. I went about halfway down. All of a sudden, my entire life passed before my eyes. I got to the bottom, and I got to tell you this, I was scared all the way down. And when I hit the water, I went down deep. And I was still scared. And all of a sudden, when I felt myself coming back up, the further back up I came, the fear began to leave. It just began to peel off of me. And all of a sudden, victory and and conquering and courage. And all of a sudden, I'm telling you, by the time I hit the top of that water, it was like a movie out of Hollywood. The first thing that came out of the water was my fist. I did a pump, baby, like I knew it all along. Wow, I had... I had a surge of victory. I'm telling you what. I felt like King Kong. I felt like Superman. I'm telling you what. I can do anything. I learned something that day. I learned as long as you stay on the safe place, on the safe side, looking over the precipice at your future, knowing what God has for you, if you only surrender everything to him and lean back in his arms, as long as you stay on this side, you will be paralyzed in fear. You will be stuck in a static place of inactivity, always struggling with frustration, kind of giving your life to God, but never enjoying the thrill of the purpose and the plan that he has for your life. And then I noticed this, and I noticed this, you never wait until the fear goes away to live in this kind of faith. You do it afraid. 
You learn to do it while your flesh is terrified. Look, let me just tell you a simple thing like tithing. You know, I think one reason why some people struggle with the tithe, giving God the first tenth, is simply because I think that people say, well, if I do that and give him that first before anything else, I'll have both feet off the ground. And What happens if something comes up? We don't know what we'll do. But folks, listen to me. Listen to me. You've got to lay your life in the hands of God. Now listen to this. Wind this thing down toward the end. Listen to this. The Bible says you must lean the entire human personality upon God in three areas. Now get this. He says trusting his wisdom, his power, and his goodness. Everybody say those three things. His wisdom. Come on. His wisdom. His power. And his goodness. Now listen. For us, power is no problem. We all believe God's able, right? That's usually not an issue for us. Where we have the problem is on his wisdom and his goodness. And I want you to think with me a moment. He says to cast the entire human personality trusting God's wisdom. What does it mean to take your life and say, God, I trust you. I glean everything that I am, my future, all of my life, trusting your wisdom. What that means is simply this, that you trust that when things don't make sense in your life, it looks like all hell's breaking loose. And wait a minute, I gave my life to Christ and this thing ain't working out. I'm going backwards instead of forwards. You've got to trust that God knows what's going on and you don't. That he's God and you aren't. That he knows your past, your present, and your future. And sometimes when it seems like you're taking one step forward and two steps backward, has anybody ever had that experience? Sometimes when it seems like you're going along and think, yeah, now I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna reach my potential. I mean, what I want to happen is going to happen. And all of a sudden, your life takes a left turn and something happens. And you say, God, what's this all about? It's not making sense. And you've got to understand that the way life is to be lived is to be lived trusting that God has a plan for your life. And he takes us on these strange detours in our life that seem like they're disjointed paths that aren't taking us to the place we want to go. But we've got to understand that God's working out something much bigger than our momentary happiness. He's working out his purpose in our lives. Y'all get that? Come on, I'm telling you, get this. Get this, it'll revolutionize your life. Look, I know what I'm talking about. It's because of people not getting these things that they go along for a while and seem like they've got great faith. Oh, they talk the talk. Maybe they're right in there for a little bit. And all of a sudden, they become disappointed and disillusioned with God. Why didn't God show up? God ain't fair. Life ain't fair. I don't know what this is all about. I didn't get what I thought I was going after when I gave my life to Christ. And the thing is, is they suffer shipwreck with their faith and they become disappointed and disillusioned. The landscape probably of this city is riddled with people who once trusted God, but now they become disillusioned. They had wrong expectations. Expectations. Let me tell you something, dear heart. God never promised you a rose garden every day. What he promised you was a life that would be filled with meaning and purpose, a life that would be impactful to the world around you. Y'all out there today, you say, well, I want to be happy. Well, that's my next point. Just hold on a minute. Listen to this. But listen, you must trust his wisdom. God spoke it to me like this one time. He said, here's what it means to trust my wisdom. You ever seen those blankets that sometimes ladies make out in the country, especially? They're, they're quilts. That these beautiful handmade quilts, they'll spend months and months on these things. And you look at them, I've been amazed sometimes. They're like an art piece. They're a patchwork of beauty. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like, wow, this is amazing. I'll never forget the first time I saw one of those flipped on the backside. And I looked at the backside, and it was a bunch of crazy knots, strings going everywhere. It looks like a mess. 
And I thought, Lord, have mercy, this looks awful. And the Lord spoke to me one day. He says, you got to understand, that's what it means to trust my wisdom. He said, the way you see your life is, you look at your life this way, and it looks like a bunch of uh, strings going different directions. It looks like a bunch of paths intersecting at meaningless places and knotted together. God, what are all these knots about in my life? God, that broken relationship, I thought that was what you had for me. God, this job, and now it's gone. And that business opportunity, God, that money that I lost, God, what's it about? And it all seems like a bunch of knots, a bunch of left turns, a bunch of detours, God. What's this awful bunch of mess of string and balls on this thing? And God said, that's the way you see it. He said, but you must understand, I see things from eternal perspective. And he said, I'm seeing the other side of the quill. And he said, I'm watching all those streams begin to form a beautiful tapestry of artwork that your life is being made into. And he said, Rick, you've got to trust me that you're never, ever in your lifetime going to be able to see the other side like I do until you finally get through with this race and you run it well. And then I'll show you the whole beautiful picture in one shot. Y'all still out there today. Now, when you understand that, listen to this. Then you begin to buy into this. And that is that I also trust God's goodness. Is God good? We sing it. But is God good? And what does that mean? Folks, you got to understand what I'm saying to you tonight. The reason I'm so passionate about it. This stuff isn't just a preaching message to me. It's not just a bunch of little truths. This stuff has changed my life. It's what brought, has brought me. Look, I was sick for six and a half years. We raised up this great church. Saw people sent around the world. Had thousands of people. I mean, people going everywhere. Joyce Meyer, you all know that name? Joyce Meyer came out of our church. Her first job in ministry was my secretary, my PA. Figure that one out. You know, and then she was a pastor on my staff and all that stuff. You know, we had people go out everywhere, had all these great things. And then I got sick. My whole system crashed, my immune system. The whole thing, it just crashed. And for six and a half years, I couldn't get out. I thought I was going to die many times. I had many dark hours. The things I'm telling you tonight are the things that have literally brought me through to here I am today. Watch this. God healed me January 27th, 2006, five years ago. Now here I am standing here with just as much excitement and thrill about life as I've ever had before. You get that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You see, you see people go through stuff. And when they go through stuff, they lose that thrill and that, that, that little childlike sparkle in their eye, that, that innocent view of life. They lose it. They become cynical and they become jaded because they go through stuff. I'm standing here as a man who's been through it. While I was sick that six and a half years, I got betrayed by some of the people closest to me that should have known better. And they betrayed me so deeply you can't believe it. But I'm here today on the other side of it telling you that people are still beautiful. I love them. I trust them. God is good. Come on, y'all out there. Don't you, don't you sit there and talk to me about the reasons you've got to pout and hold a pity party. Listen, get rid of that stuff. Pity parties are horrible. Have you ever noticed that you're the only one that comes to it? Is God good? I didn't. What is God? Trusting his goodness means, can I trust God that if I really get on his lap, Get off my feet and all right, I'm not determined this thing anymore. He is. Can I trust that he's really got a plan that's going to make me as happy 
is the plan that I would have for my life. I really didn't believe that for a long time. I was raised in church. I was, gave my life to Christ when I was 11 years old. Had this journey with God, but never ever, even after 11 years old, never really fully got up in God's lap. And never forget, I used to tell people all the time, I'll do anything for God, but I'll never be one of those preacher guys. I'll never, don't ever ask me to do that. I'll never do that. I'll do anything else, but I will not do that. I told everybody that. Well, then I went to university, met my wife. We sang together in a choir there at the university. We stood next to each other, and I fell in love with her. And I knew she was falling in love with me. And so one day I asked her, I said, Donna, I said, will you marry me? And she said, well, I have fallen in love with you, but she said, I can't marry you. I said, why? She said, because, you know. She said, don't you know that when I was 14 years old, that I was in a, 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 a field kneeling down before God, crying out to God, I surrendered my entire life to Christ, said, God, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And she said, the Lord spoke to me at the age of 14 and said, okay, you're going to grow up, you're going to meet a man, and he's going to become a pastor, a preacher, and the two of you are going to go around the world and preach the gospel together. And he, she said, and you said you won't be a preacher. I said, well, let's talk a little bit. She said, no, I didn't say that. I said, look, I said, I love you. I want to marry you, but I'm not going to be one of those preachers. I do not want to do that. I said, so we're going to break up. We're not going to see each other. I said, if you ever change your mind, come and let me know. And so we broke up and we were broke up for nine weeks. And after nine weeks, she came back to me crawling on her hands and knees. Something like that. The, the details are vague, you know. She came to me and she says, Rick, listen to this. She said, Rick, she said, I've been praying for nine weeks asking God to speak to me. She said, I said, God, I've given you my life. I surrendered so God, but yet my heart's been given to this man. And God, so what's going on? Speak to me. God wouldn't say no. If he'd say no, I would know I wouldn't even pursue this. But she said, finally, after nine weeks, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I've got to trust that you're leading me in my heart. And so she said, yes, I'll marry you. So we got married, and then, after, then we went along for three years. She prayed for me every day. She wasn't manipulating me. She wasn't praying God calling me to be a preacher. Because, folks, this little story I'm telling you right now, telling right now is not about the preacher part. It's not about full-time ministry. It's not about that. It's about my wife saying eternally yes to God, and I had not. I was living with one foot on the ground. And so anyway, after three years, finally, I became so miserable. I came home. You all know what it's like to have God deal with you so much for such a long time. You get so miserable, you can't even stand yourself anymore. And I came home from, from work, and I fell across the bed on this night. And I was so miserable. I felt the dealings of God. I said, God, what is it? What are you saying to me, God? What is it? And I'll never forget, as soon as I said that, I never had anything like this happen before, I instantly saw like a vision. And this vision, all I saw in the vision was I saw a blank piece of paper. That's it, a blank piece of paper. And I saw a place at the bottom for me to sign. And I looked at that blank piece of paper and I said, God, what is this? He said, that's my will for the rest of your life. He said, now sign it. I said, Lord, if this is a contract that we're dealing with here, I know that contract need terms. So, Lord, if you'll put the terms of the contract, little details of what it is I'm signing up for, I'll sign it. Listen to this. I'll never forget. God said, no. 
You sign it and then I'll fill it in. And I, I instantly began to understand for the first time what the concept of lordship is all about. Making Jesus Lord is not saying, yes, I'll go there or yes, I'll do that. But it's saying yes, not even knowing what it means, not even knowing where it'll take you, not even knowing what it costs. It's just saying yes, not to do a thing, but it's saying yes to him. I trust you with my life. Yeah. As soon as I signed that blank piece of paper and I put the pen down, immediately I heard the Lord say, now go preach the gospel. I said, I knew that's what you were going to say to me. Up until that moment, I thought if I ever did that, I would be unhappy the rest of my life. I had told myself that the plan that God would have for me if I said an eternal yes would be something less than what I would enjoy in my life. And I realize now that I wasn't trusting that he's the one that made me. He's the one that knows the plan that will make me the happiest. He's the one that knows what's right for my life. Are y'all with me today? And I began to realize that he knows what will make me happy. And I cannot tell you how happy I've been. And I cannot imagine living a life not doing what God has called me to do. I didn't realize that God was going to have such a beautiful plan for me. And I just leave you with this, folks. Until we get both feet off the ground and we say an eternal yes to Christ, nothing really begins to start in our life as far as the work of God. We just barely get inside the kingdom, inside Christ's salvation, and we just stay there. And we're always living in a place of frustration. Folks, I challenge you tonight to live with that kind of faith that Jesus is looking for. A faith that just opens yourself up and says, Lord, I trust you with everything I am, with my life, my future, my wealth, my family, everything that I am. Amen. Give Jesus praise in this place tonight. Come on, give him praise. I would like for, you to, I'd like for you to stand to your feet with me tonight. I'd like for the pastor, Pastor Tony, would you come with me and stand with me here? And I want you to listen to me just a moment before I turn it back to your pastor. I want to know right now, I want to know right now, who in this place, you say, Rick, I, I, believe, I believe I've been forgiven of my sins. I, I love God, but... God's tugging at my heart tonight that I need to make that next step and I need to, I need to say, Lord, yes. I signed that blank piece of paper. God, I want whatever you've got for me. I want whatever you have in my life. It's the only way to live life, folks. Don't live it on the fence. Every head bowed and every eye closed right now. This is not a call for the lost right now. This is a call for you. Say, yeah, no, I love God. But I want to say an eternal yes. I want to sign that blank piece of paper. Whatever it means, it doesn't make a difference. I just want to sign that. Would you lift your hand all over the place quickly right now? Quickly. Okay, many of you. All right, I want you to do this. All of you that raise your hand right now, just slip both hands in the air. Both hands in the air. Come on. And I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Now look, we're not, gonna, we're not going to do this in a rush. This is very serious business. The Bible says clearly, don't say anything quickly before God. Think about what you're doing. God takes these things very seriously. So you take it very seriously. 
Just say this to him right now. Say, dear Father God, I don't want to live one more moment without my life fully in your lap. Come on, say it out. Today I sign that blank piece of paper. I say an eternal yes to you. Whatever you want with my life, my future, my family, my wealth, everything that I am. I don't hold anything back. I say an eternal yes to you. God, I want to know what it's like to enjoy the excitement of a life fully committed to you. I'm not negotiating with you. I don't need to know what the terms are. I surrender everything I am to you. God, please place your call in my life. Awaken your destiny inside of me that I may make a difference in my world around me. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now with hand raised, hands raised this moment, let me pray for you, okay? Receive this. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for all my brothers and sisters here tonight who are praying this very important prayer. God, you see it. Now as they offer an altar of sacrifice before you, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will let your presence come and confirm this sacrifice. Father God, that you will let the fire come upon the altar, God. Touch them. Bring the warmth of your presence into their life. And Father God, release them into a whole new level of living. God, awaken them spiritually. Bring new fresh passions, new fresh affections for your presence and for your purpose, Lord God. Father God, open their eyes. Reveal things of your spirit to them, Lord God. Let them hear your voice as never before, Lord God. God, give them a life that makes a difference. God, give them a life that makes an impact in the world around them. Father, we just thank you for that. And we bless you in Jesus Christ name. Amen and amen. Y'all done that, right? Come on, give Jesus a big praise in this place. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.